0: In today's brief, we'll talk about the missing dispatcher, Iridium, and Germany stalling. Again. I'm Linnea, and today is Saturday, September 30th, 2023. Today is Truth and Reconciliation Day here in the United States and in Canada. That's a holiday dedicated to remembering Native American children who died at residential schools, as well as the survivors who made it home and the families and communities still affected. You're listening to the Ukraine War Brief Podcast, where we bring you up to speed on the war in Ukraine in about 20 minutes or less. Let's get started with the news in Ukraine from the front. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported that Russian losses on Thursday included 8 tanks, 10 armored combat vehicles or ACVs, 34 artillery systems, 1 multiple launch rocket system or MLRS, an anti-aircraft system, 34 unmanned aerial vehicles, called UAVs or drones, and 340 personnel. Yesterday, Russian losses included 4 tanks, 12 APCs, 38 artillery systems, two MLRS, an anti-aircraft system, 15 drones, and 470 personnel. There was very little movement on the front in the Eastern Theater of Operations on Thursday, according to the GSAFU, with Russian forces attempting unsuccessful advances near Chiorivka, northwest of Bakhmut, and Marinka, both in Donetsk Oblast. The Institute for the Study of War or ISW reported that Russian forces have reduced the tempo of their offensive operations on the Kupiansk Svatva Kremina line, indicating that Ukrainian offensive operations further south have drawn Russian forces away from the area and significantly degraded the Russian offensive. The GSAFU only reported one Russian attack in the area on the 28th near Bilohorivka, the one in Luhansk oblast. In the southern theater of operations, Ukrainian forces continue to push slowly forward in the Tokmak direction in Zaporizhia oblast, with heavy fighting within and around Verbove and Novoprokopivka reported by both Russian and Ukrainian sources, and drone-directed attacks focused on destroying concentrations of ammo and artillery systems. According to the United Press Center of the Defense Forces of the Tavria region, Russian forces are losing 150 to 200 personnel in this direction every day right now. Ukrainian strikes on the Black Sea Fleet are an example of how Ukraine is holding the initiative, according to the head of the British Defense Headquarters, Admiral Tony Radakin, who added that Russian President Vladimir Putin has, quote, lost control of the war he started, end quote. In the temporarily occupied territories, legitimate and currently exiled mayor of Melitopol, Ivan Fedorov, reported that Russia has established a new fortified area north of the occupied city of Tokmak in Zaporizhia oblast, with fortifications appearing on both sides of the road leading to the city from recently liberated Robotine, about 30 kilometers to the north. Tokmak is a critical logistics hub and railroad junction used by the Russian army to supply troops on the southern front. A missing flight dispatcher from Russia's Saki military airbase in occupied Crimea has prompted Russia to probe for potential Ukrainian covert operations, according to the Information Resistance Open Source Intelligence, or OSINT, community. Russian occupation authorities suspect the involvement of a Ukrainian sabotage and reconnaissance group, saying, quote, According to tentative reports, he, the dispatcher, went missing on the morning of 26th September, but he never formally left the perimeter of the military facility. It's as if he went out for a smoke and never came back. End quote. The Sake Air Base at Novofedorivka on the western coast of occupied Crimea is home to Russia's 43rd Independent Naval Assault Aviation Regiment operating Sukhoi Su 24, Su 30 SM, and Topoliv Tu 1344 A 4 aircraft. Ukrainian forces last attacked the base on September 21, five days before the alleged disappearance of the flight dispatcher. The base was targeted by Ukrainian forces last year as well, resulting in serious damage. On the night of September 29th, Russian air defense in Tokmak successfully intercepted its own aircraft, most likely an Su-35 multi-role fighter jet. According to Oleksandr Kovalenko, a military and political observer, quote, There is a general friend or foe, or IFF, system that helps to recognize whether it is a friendly or enemy aircraft. So, in general, the air defense system that shot it down was most likely an S-300, and the operators should have understood that it was their own plane. Unless, of course, the system was not working. Quote. The Su-35 is one of the most expensive production aircraft in the Russian Federation. And as opposed to the Su-34 frontline bomber, it isn't often used for combat missions. Oops. Yeah, that's quite the own goal. If you're enjoying the episode, please rate us and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to reach out to us via email at social at That's B-O-R-L-I-N-G-O-N dot media. On the home front, Russian forces continued to target first responders with so-called double-tap attacks, targeting two businesses in Kherson on the evening of September 27th, and striking the same locations again as Ukrainian rescue workers were extinguishing the fires. According to the State Emergency Services of Ukraine, firefighters had to take cover several times before finally being able to put out the fires. Russian forces launched an attack targeting the southeastern regions overnight on September 28th to 29th, primarily using Shahed 136-131 kamikaze drones. The Ukrainian Air Force reported that 34 of the 44 Shaheds were intercepted. Vitali Barabash, head of the military administration in Avdivka in Donetsk Oblast, reported that a Russian rocket attack hit a naphthalene storage facility at the Avdiivka coke and chemical plant. The plant was closed down due to its proximity to the front line, so despite the large fire, there were no casualties reported. Ukraine's National TV and Radio Broadcasting Council is working with the Ministry for Digital Transformation, among others, to address regulation of Telegram, the messenger app where pro-Russian media outlets that have been banned in Ukraine are still active. The issue is reportedly difficult, as people are having trouble identifying the pro-Russian propaganda channels from legitimate Ukrainian channels. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky met with defense ministers of both France and the United Kingdom, though not at the same time, to discuss Ukraine's long-term military aid needs. Both countries have already provided long range cruise missiles. During his visit to Kyiv, the French defense minister, Sébastien Le Cornu, laid flowers at a memorial honoring soldiers who were killed while defending Ukraine. Prior to meeting with President Zelensky and Ukrainian Minister of Defense, Rustem Umedov, Le Cornu stated, We know that this war is going to last. We must ensure that tomorrow we continue to be reliable in our aid to Ukraine. It was British Secretary of State for Defense Grant Schaap's first official trip to Ukraine since replacing Ben Wallace at the end of August. Speaking of crossing borders, let's talk about the Russian Federation. Do you remember the Freedom of Russia Legion? They're Russian citizens who fight on the side of Ukraine and were recently conducting raids into Russia's Kursk Oblast. According to Russian sources and the Legion's Telegram channel, they're also conducting sabotage and reconnaissance missions just across the border in Russia's Bilgorod Oblast, engaging with Russian border guards there as well. Explosions were reported in Kursk overnight on September 28th to 29th, when a drone reportedly dropped two explosive devices on an electrical substation, leaving five settlements without power. In news worldwide, the European Union warned European companies and governments that it could ban the sale of certain drone components to Turkey and other countries from which Russia and Iran are sourcing parts for drones and other weapons used to strike Ukraine. The EU identified five companies as the original manufacturers of the relevant components and noted that customs information showed that, quote, Almost all the imports to Iran originated from Turkey, India, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Vietnam, and Costa Rica. President of Kazakhstan, Kasim Yomart Tokayev, announced at a press briefing with German Chancellor Olaf Scholz on September 28th that his country will, quote, "...definitely comply with sanctions against Russia, and that Germany should not be concerned that Kazakhstan will help Russia circumvent Western sanctions." Quick sidebar in case you're not familiar with Kazakhstan. The former Soviet-occupied state in Central Asia has a large ethnic Russian minority and is a founding member of the Collective Security Treaty Organization, or CSTO, along with Russia, with roughly a 1,000 Russian troops still in the country following a CSTO peacekeeping effort to quell anti-government protests in January 2022. On the other hand... Kazakh leadership has refused to recognize the so-called Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republics in Russian-occupied eastern Ukraine and has sent humanitarian aid to Ukraine following the full-scale invasion last year. Russia appears to be struggling to meet recruitment goals at home in Russia. Vladimir Shkunov, a Russian historian, apparently recruited Cuban youths to join the Russian army under the guise of offering employment in construction according to Cuban media outlet Kubanet. More than a dozen men, all of them veterans of the Cuban army, told Kubanet that they had been offered construction jobs via Facebook Messenger that turned out to be a cover for taking part in Russia's war against Ukraine. Those who agreed to the offer said they underwent infantry and martial arts training and were also invited to attend a talk delivered by the Cuban military about the friendly ties between Cuba and Russia. Vladimir Shkunov is a historian and researcher at the Volga branch of the Institute of Russian History at the Russian Academy of Sciences. He's been running a Facebook group called Russia for Cubans since 2021. Let's talk military tech. German Chancellor Schultz has stalled the delivery of Taurus long-range precision missiles to Ukraine, Allegedly due to concerns that because of the missile's complexity, German technicians would need to be involved in their operation and maintenance on the ground in Ukraine, which is two whole steps closer to a, quote, direct confrontation with Russia, end quote, and the need to modify the Taurus to be carried by Ukraine's Soviet-era aircraft. Some assessment? These excuses are just that. Excuses this would not be the first missile system that Ukraine adapted for use with their existing aircraft. Germany's reason for not wanting to provide Taurus missiles likely has more to do with domestic issues, such as a sizable minority of the German electorate with pro-Russian leanings and upcoming elections. The reported fear of retaliation by Russia is kind of ridiculous at this point. Germany will probably end up being pressured both domestically and internationally into providing the weapons to Ukraine, at the very least in some limited quantity, but the delay is undoubtedly frustrating to Ukraine. The ISW reported on September 27th that Iranian and Russian military officials reviewed Iranian advanced conventional weapons in Moscow and Tehran in August and again in September. And may conclude a drone and missile sale agreement when the UN missile restrictions expire on October 18th. Ukrainian investigative organization Trap Aggressor reported that American satellite communications company Iridium not only maintains a functioning office in Moscow, but also still provides satellite navigation services for a Russian drone manufacturer. According to trade databases, in 2015 to 2022, The Russian company Iridium Communications purchased products directly from the U.S. company Iridium Satellite. And in 2023, Iridium Communications imported machines made by Iridium Satellite for receiving and converting voice and images via a third party. Ukraine recently captured a Russian Kartobrov, or cartographer drone, and upon inspection, noticed that, other than the body and the parachute, None of the components were made in Russia, and software from Iridium was at the heart of the device. Shortly after Trap Aggressor published their story, Iridium released a statement saying, The U.S. Department of Defense is our largest single customer, and we are being used extensively to support Ukraine and relief efforts in surrounding countries. Iridium does not condone the use of our technology in these Russian drones— and if this is true, we would appreciate any additional information regarding the system used, including SIM card number and module, so we can investigate how this happened. Any information regarding which specific Iridium partner served as the connectivity partner would also be appreciated, as we are a wholesale operator and do not have end-user account information, but require all of our partners to comply with applicable laws, Including avoiding sales of Iridium services to sanctioned parties. We have structured our operations to comply with U.S. sanctions and additionally stopped shipment of end user equipment to Russia immediately upon the Ukrainian invasion. We also contractually prohibit our partners from doing so. Our primary focus has been and remains on supporting Ukraine, where our service is being used extensively. End quote. Yeah. That's the brief for today. Remember to check your sources and don't fall for propaganda. Join us on YouTube and TikTok for more Ukraine content and live news reports. And please consider subscribing to our work on Substack. The links are in the description. We'll be back on Monday with more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone.